but towards the development goals. And I like that. And I like that kind of approach to it. Like, so I'll start with some knowledge about it, about some, you know, knowing who's doing it in what forms, bringing in yourself, how can you contribute, and then actually doing, taking action. And, and I like to approach them in that way, I think. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen. An attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Bloom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest who will introduce herself. Emma, please go ahead. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me here. So I'm Emma Stenström. Uh, I'm Swedish. And I, I, I call myself a teacher first and foremost. I think that's the most important part of my identity. So I teach at a business school. I teach mostly sustainability and leadership. And I can come back to that perhaps later, perhaps not, we'll see. Uh, of course, I'm also a researcher. I, I do have a PhD. I'm an associate professor. I run a research center for arts, business, and culture. Um, ABC, and right? ABC. We call yeah. it ABC. Cool. So arts, business, and culture. Come back to that for sure. Uh, and then I also, I sometimes I call myself an activist, and that mm. is always a bit controversial. But uh, I do take um, what we call here in Sweden the third task as an academic, and um, that is really doing things and spreading knowledge to society. I take that very serious. So I am a columnist, I'm a writer, and I run a little NGO myself on the side of my more academic career. So, um, yeah, I, and I think that's very much me too, like moving in between different fields. I have a, a very academic background. I grew up in a university town called Uppsala in Sweden. I've lived in the U.S. a few times. My, my dad used, yes, actually... Mm. Three times. First, when I was a kid, when I was four, mm. I went to kindergarten in outside Boston. My dad worked in Boston, so I joined him and my family there. So I did grow up. Um, I spent a year and a half in the U.S. as a kid, came back to Sweden, went back as a teenager, as an exchange student, uh, this time to New Jersey. I graduated from high school in New Jersey 40 years ago. <laughs> I know that because we have a reunion coming up this okay. September. I'm still very close to my high school friends in New Jersey. Where exactly in New Jersey? Mendham, New Jersey, okay. close to Morristown. Mm -hmm. You know that I live close to Morristown, actually. Do you? Yes. Really? Yeah, this is this is pretty amazing because, you know, first of all, um, you know, Uppsala, right, is the yes. name? That, yes. that's yeah. I've been there often because of Act Alliance 
my organization is part of that and they organize meetings you know church of sweden is yes. is uh yeah so connections there one second you call boston that's where my our so- second son lives new jersey is the state where i've been living for the last together with my uh, wife for the last uh 13 years so this what, is what's the this name is, of uh, Where do you live in New Jersey? <laughs> in Buten, Buten, a very small town. Yeah, since uh, six, seven months. Yeah. Oh wow! So maybe yeah, we'll see strange. each other soon. Yeah. Yeah. Not just a word. <laughs> yeah, and and for the <laughs> listeners, you know, we haven't met. We 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 met through the first um, inner development goals uh, summit. So that's that's how we uh, connected. So. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I just had to say this. This is so That's, funny. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Next time we'll meet on the street and we say, hi, hi. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But um, yeah. And I lived in Los Angeles as well. Mm. So that's my third US city where I've lived. But that was much later in life. Um, and mostly I've lived in Canada, though, close by, mm. not but not in the US, but mm. um, in French Canada. I did both okay. my part of my master and my PhD in mm. Quebec. So that's that's where I, I I see myself as half Canadian almost sometimes as more mm. Canadian than Swedish. Um, it, it's a strong part of my identity for sure. I've been kind of going back and forth between mm. Canada and Sweden, thirty years. Okay, and I think that's also very much part of what I'm doing. I think that being, I will say that in between, you know, the international uh, interaction interdisciplinary work, uh, moving between business and arts, as I said before, and between, for five years, I was a a professor both at the business school and at the college uh, or university for arts and design in Sweden or in Stockholm. So I I would spend, sometimes I would teach in the business school in the morning and in the art school in the afternoon. Mm. And I, that to me, that's also like, it's, it's my personality I think but it's also what I'm trying to do like connecting Mm. different worlds and spheres that my whole work that's what I'm trying to do all the time Mm. and I find that in between the kind of gap in between very interesting to be I think a lot of things happening in between sometimes but that that's me that's how I would introduce myself for Mm. sure Um, yeah, that's that's. I'm I'm fascinated by that because I'm also intrigued by, uh, you know, both, um, you know, science, um, and and the arts, and then actually also by by religion. You know, the three. Yes. Yes. Plato <laughs> was also interested in that, right? So so yeah. um yeah. I, a quick question. So what, what you know, what is a, is there a difference between students of the arts and students of of business? You know, and what is yes. that then? If there is a difference, <laughs> I think there are quite a few differences. One, sometimes when I want to make like a short version of it, of course, it's much yeah. more complex. But the short version sometimes is that I was teaching entrepreneurship in both settings, mm-hmm. and it would be I would do exactly the same course sometimes, like exactly the same course. They were reading the same material, working with the same things. And they were both to come up with business, like projects, not business projects. We didn't call them business projects in the art school, but projects. But really, so this is what I want to do. How can I organize that and finance it and actually make it happen? Uh, and at the business school, it tended to be like the students would say, oh, there's a gap there in the market. I'm going to go there, you know. And, mm-hmm. and then they did like those 
super structured analysis and oh we have all the competitors and here's the price but oh, that's what they had learned at business school and the art students would do exactly the opposite they would go like you know they didn't think about the market they didn't think about anybody else really mm. they were like i want to do this this comes from my heart and my passion and this is what i want to do and i i would ask the art students so do you know anybody else doing it and they're like i don't know i think i'm the only one uh, and i would ask the business students sometimes okay that's fantastic i see that gap mm. is this what you want to do and then they would be like oh i don't know i haven't thought about what i want to do and i would always say like you know i think you need both i mean you need to do a little bit like the structured analysis, but you definitely need to have that passion and perseverance in order to survive. So, so I was always like, okay, let's work together instead, you know, let's combine these because that's when it's really going to happen. I've been super lucky to be able to, mm. not only with Arts and Business, but we have a fantastic institute here, which is also an interesting institute because it was founded not by the universities, but from outside. And they said, well, we have all these fantastic students at the universities in different disciplines, but they never work together. So let's find a place where so is the medical school, is the business school, is the engineering school, is the arts school, also the music school and Stockholm University with you know liberal arts and um, mm. law whatever and all the natural sciences so let's have like a place where master students from all these different disciplines can come together work together in different schools they move around and they can take courses at different schools but they work together and I've been so lucky teaching there because you walk in there and you have like oh this is a problem in society a challenge and then you get all these different perspectives and they work in groups okay how are we going to solve this with I'm like soon to become a doctor or I'm soon to become a lawyer or a designer or you know in religious studies or wherever you know and mm. then combining that knowledge is fantastic yeah yeah that's that's I think that's where I'm the happiest mm. so that's, that's uh, great yeah yeah fantastic um yeah, I'm, I'm really fascinated, and and you know we all we have always limited time, of course, when when we have these podcasts. So I, I really would like to invite the listeners to because I try to make sure that there are podcast notes as well. You know, we will put there the the links to to your um, center and you know all the social media so that they can start following you and and reading because you you have you wrote articles, so so there is a lot you know to to. Uh, yeah, to do some research on, on you and understand what you're doing. And, and, and they will learn some Swedish because a lot of people <laughs> Swedish. I saw that as well. Because, <laughs> yes, I saw that as well. And my Swedish is, is not good enough. I thought, you know, I'm from the Netherlands. I will be able to understand, but I could not. So, um, um, Emma, I, my, um, yeah, I would like to, to uh, ask you a question that I always ask all my guests. And that is, you know, this po particular podcast is a spin-off of my 100-mile uh, walk. A walk that I started 10 years ago to raise awareness about hunger, uh, poverty and injustice and raise some money as well. Um, because two years ago, I was not able to walk with with uh, another person. So I, you know, and, and the talking is also an important part of the walk. So um, 
Yeah, my, my question to all my guests is, if you would be asked to walk 100 miles so that in a week, so that means 15 to 20 miles a day, and to be honest, I've been so long now in the States, I don't even know how many kilometers that is, but it's, it, you know, you will be walking six, seven hours a day. Um, yeah, for which cause would you walk and why? There are, of course, many. But right now, uh, and that is, of course, in the context I'm in, I think I would walk for of somehow finding ways uh, to deal with the integration in a much better way than we are doing right now. Um, I wouldn't say that. I, I mean, I was thinking about that of walking as like almost like I'm walking. I I made the very conscious decision to move. I, I used to live uh, in the a very privileged area in Stockholm, in the inner city, downtown Stockholm, which is uh, privileged in the Swedish context. And I decided to move to um, what we call extremely vulnerable areas. Um, they have sometimes been called even no-go zones, but that's not what I call them. Mm. It's an area where 90% are immigrants, uh, where uh, about half of the population are really below the poverty level, mm. um, where a lot of people don't have jobs, of course, uh, where it's a very high crime rate. It's on the news every day, and I've been, I've been following that, and I've decided uh, about a year ago that you know, I, I don't think we solve problems on an individual level. Of course not. And I, you know, I would like to bring thousands of my friends with me. I haven't managed. I've tried to, but I haven't managed. But I said, well, at least, you know, moving there myself, trying to understand it much better. What needs to be done to deal with that uh, more people are included in society? That is right now the topic I would walk for and I don't walk for it but I do bike almost that many hours <laughs> at least uh, a week yeah. uh, to go back and forth uh, to be to live in that surrounding I find it uh, um, I find it extremely problematic that so many people don't feel included and are not included and I think it's a big threat uh, to society mm. and I'm for me the Right now, the social divides, uh, the income inequalities, it's on top of my mind right now. And that's what I'm working with. That's also what I'm working with in the little NGO I'm running with some friends. Um, so that, yeah, that would be my course right now. And that's, of course, also in my context. <laughs> there are many others, but I'm really worried about that. You know, you mentioned one thing in, in your introduction, and it was that very often you are into action. So I am I, really intrigued by that. Uh, I've always been during my study already, you know, something in the Netherlands we call action research, in this, mm. you know, operational research. Um, it, you know, not, not collecting data for the sake of collecting data, but, you know, collecting data for the sake of, okay, can we improve a situation? What can we do with that? I, I'm... I'm absolutely fascinated by that but you came up with you're using a technique um, or, or a tool 
bubble hopping. Bubble hopping. Yeah. Yes. And so I was listening to you in terms of, you know, you're living in, in you know, the neighborhood or part uh, where definitely change is necessary to make, to improve a situation. Um, is this kind of, you know, you um, putting into action, um, you know, what you're preaching at the university in terms of bubble uh, hopping or uh, is I think it related? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's absolutely related for sure. Um, I think it helps me, but maybe I, I'm also very much into action research and uh, and also into integrating teaching and mm -hmm. research. That's also a very important part for me. So, so what I do, I, I have, you know, worked with this method that I call bubble hopping. It's actually borrowed from an American engineer. His name is Max Hawkins. He knows that I have borrowed his. Mm -hmm. uh, but so that that is really trying to make like a simple method and a skills training mm -hmm. uh, to uh, bridge divides, bridge differences, and talk to each other, especially in a polarized society and understand each other's perspectives and talk in a civilized way and not necessarily agreeing but still understanding more broadening perspectives so the bubble hopping for sure and I've done that with about 1300 students now and I collected all their stories and so I really you know I want them to break out of the business school bubble for sure it's, I think that's very important I also do that in my research in the sense that I I I for example I'm involved right now in a project where we're looking at uh, city planning and that's also meeting those suburbs um suburb like the one I talk about and 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 the inner city and the cities in Sweden are privilege so it's kind of sometimes the opposite than the US but uh but also like understanding and making sure that everybody feels that this is our city this is our city this is our place and of course that's also using the method and and I think it's also to I don't know maybe it's all, I, I think action research is one part of it but it's also a part of it like ha understanding it as a human being with all mm -hmm. and I think understanding that's to me has a lot to do with embodiment I maybe there are other ways of understanding things, but I think I I, feel, I, I need to live it in a way. And of mm. course, it's difficult to step out of your comfort zone, step step out of your. I mean, I'm in a very privileged situation. I understand that, and I can never, you know, have that experience. Of course not, because I feel like things become more complex and nuanced when you're in them. It was so easy if I would work in that research project about bring, bridging inner and outer city, and I only went to visit parts of the city, that would be difficult. It's much better to try to live in both places and, and try to understand mm -hmm. it a little bit more. It becomes a little bit, not that I can ever, of course, understand all the experiences, but I, at least I, I feel like I can get a little bit more nuanced understanding. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's also like... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's also being very, I'm also very inspired by uh, the whole idea of embodiment and mm -hmm. embodied learning, living okay. it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And it all connects. And I like the whole kind of, I guess it's a holistic way of, you know, trying to bridge things and mm -hmm. integrate them in general. So integration, I guess, is another of those topics that are very important.
you know, I studied at the University of Leiden where participant observation was extremely uh, important, right? So, so yeah, I, I, I resonate with what you're saying in terms of, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trained, quote unquote, trained around this as well. So, so uh, I don't know if I'm very good. I, I think I'm more an armchair than anything else. But, um, you know, <laughs> hey, Emma, maybe for the listeners, a, a short um, explanation about what exactly um, bubble hopping is. Hmm? is it- yeah. <laughs> That's like, I'm like, <laughs> where I'm going to I'm, I'm writing a book. Um, uh, there's a Swedish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. But it's coming out this fall, and I should. I feel like I should really be able to do this in, you know, the elevator pitch. At the same, I'm feeling right now it's like, oh, you know, where where should I start? But the the simple ways. So, so what I usually do, like, let's let's put it in the context again. So what I usually do is that I I will like start with talking about bubbles in general. Mm-hmm. What what do we what do I mean with bubbles? And in of course, there's a more theoretical background, and I. For me, it's really a lot about social identities mm-hmm. that we tend to identify and that those groups that we identify with, they tend to really influence us in all different ways. Our decisions, actions, behaviors, even like taste, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So, so it's important to kind of become aware of that. We all have a multiple and we know that and we can. So I usually start with like, okay, what bubbles do you belong to? and then. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a complex question, but it's kind of fun to start reflecting. How do they really influence you? And then, okay, so um, what bubbles would you be curious about? Or maybe if you have a lot of courage, you might even be like, do you really disagree with? So you start like, okay, can you kind of try to understand that? And it could be, so when I ask my students to do that, they would jump into Religious bubbles, I'll come back to that soon. That's very interesting, I think. Uh, from between different religions mm-hmm. or between not feeling I don't have a religion, so let me jump into a religious bubble. They would jump between politics, of course, right to left, left to right, mm-hmm. everywhere. And it could also be places you live, a different experience. It could be different professions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they will go, you know, what is a criminal mind? Uh, they jump in all different kind of directions. Sometimes they actually could also go very close, but mm-hmm. start talking about topics they've never talked about before with somebody who's close to them. So what I do is that I, you know, we start talking about how this influences us and, and then I do a lot of skills training. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say, okay, but, you know, really like big major skills training, list, like your pod here, mm-hmm. listening. How do we listen? How do we respond when we listen? Do we do that a shift response that we shift over to ourselves when we hear something, somebody mm-hmm. tells us something? Or do we do a support response instead? And how, you know, start noticing levels you're listening on, et cetera. Training listening. Training to ask questions, of course. How do we, you know, formulate questions that open up minds instead of closing them? And uh, sharing, important part, how sharing vulnerabilities and sharing in general and but also like calming ourselves knowing where bound our boundaries are and it, it becomes like this sometimes I feel like it's and my colleagues as well like 
in order to do that bubble hopping, it's there are so many skills you can train, but it becomes so very practical when mm-hmm. you're actually like jumping out. And I, of course, I try to do that myself too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying so, especially if I get, you know, for example, we have an election coming up in Sweden in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have seven parties in the parliament. So I will invite somebody who votes for each of those seven parties to dinner party. I like, we call it the Fika project. Uh, I like to meet uh, over a meal or a Mm. coffee. Fika means having a coffee or tea and a cake in Swedish. And that's really, and then have a civilized conversation and trying to understand a bit more of each other's perspectives. Uh, And coming from, and there are, of course, in, you know, the parliament, but there are, of course, always discussions across political lines. But I like to have it also in my kitchen and, and really trying to understand more broadening of perspectives. So that is the bubble hopping. And then the, the very important part of it becomes also afterward when we talk about it. Can we talk about it? Can we, can we come up with solutions, especially when we have problems? That's when it's best, I think, is that when we have a problem, uh, and we meet from different, could be different stakeholders, or you know, sometimes like the product I'm working with is so interesting. It's it's actually the big retail owners, it's the big real estate owners, it's the NGOs, it's the church, it's the police. Now, how do we actually? And we we're working on this specific city development project, but we need to understand each other's perspectives. So, how can we use those skills and try to come up with some? solutions together it's all about that really trying where you know where we understand each other's the needs behind etc so it's a skills training Mm. but particular in order to kind of create more inclusive society or organization or whatever it is Mm. i but it's also super fun (laughs) that's another part of it as i can imagine you know you walk out of those oh it's fantastic Mm -hmm. And I do think so. One thing I do is like I teach at this super. It's a very privileged business school. It's ranked top in the Nordic countries, etc. Mm-hmm. A very privileged place. Uh, so sometimes I, what I do now, whispering because I'm not sure all my colleagues know, but I take my classes, and then I create at weekends. I I go on Meetup, which is one of those apps where you can invite anybody, and I invite them to my kitchen table again. Yeah my favorite place and it's very often that we do have like no no one is born in Sweden there will be expats and immigrants and refugees and paperless people ever you know and I teach the same seminars that's my own little also like mm-hmm. Robin Hood strategy yeah, yeah yeah so I teach the same things that my privileged business school students but I do that at my kitchen table mm-hmm. So and it's also yeah, like, great. and that's also like it brings back a lot of perspective because it's all about like having these different perspectives on mm-hmm. big topics. Yeah. Challenges. Awesome. Um, Well, you know, you know, one of the reasons that I'm doing this podcast is that I hope it contributes to, you know, um, opening people up to all the different perspectives. Again, you know, you don't have to agree, but actually, if you if you if you are 
listening, then very often there is something where you think, oh, you know, this is where I do agree with this person. And and nobody, and it's something I've learned from the philosopher Ken Wilber, nobody can be wrong 100% of the time. So, you know, there's always an opportunity for, to start a dialogue. And, the, you know, the start of a dialogue is the beginning of more understanding and ultimately, you know, maybe uh, a better world and more peace. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's that's great and and i know we will continue you know offline our conversation and maybe how we can more collaborate on this uh, emma you you work a lot with with youth and during my uh, walks actually i often talk about spirituality and religion and it's just i think because it is so interwoven with walking and where you get into work, start thinking about why are we on this on this earth um but then when we talk about spirituality and religion, we quickly, I don't know why, we talk about the younger generation. And um, so, yeah, I, my question to you is, is um, what do you see happening among, you know, the young people in your community and religion and spirituality? And, and I think especially that's interesting because still the majority of my listeners is from the US and and uh, to hear you know what's happening you know in Sweden mm. around this yeah it's an interesting topic i think i come from a, a religious background myself mm. my my family on my father's side um and they all still very involved in church and they and uh, my father stepped out of it. He is a philosopher. And he actually decided that he was not going to raise me in the same way that he was brought up. So, um, so I was raised, you know, we didn't, we never went to church. Mm -hmm. I, uh, and, and, but we always had very, very many discussions it was always interesting so at the same time you know he was he had it you know it was a problematic background and, and we had very much decisions um, discussions around religion and etc at home and then my son I have a son who's now 26 and uh, and I didn't reflect as much as my father and I said well I'm not gonna no, I, I, we, we never went to church either. And then he, when he was 20, he came home one day and he said, you know, mom, I've been going to church by myself and I decided that I'm going to join. And that is very important to me. So, so, my, so my father who stepped away and then tried to take me away. Mm. And then that comes up, comes back in my son. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've been thinking so much with my son is also that and I find that so, so interesting is that he also has many friends who come from different religions. Mm. You know, what the day when he started saying that, you know what, I'm actually, you know, I decided, I know you didn't take me to church and I wasn't even, wasn't even baptized or anything, but I'm going to do that myself. And then he actually, he broke and it was so interesting, the, you know, with the whole bubble hopping, he has, he went, uh, for example, he, he decided that when he was still in school that he was going to do a trip. He, took, he brought a Jewish, uh, a Muslim, uh, a Catholic, uh, he himself a Protestant, and one atheist friend. And they went to Israel together. Uh, 
to actually, and they did like a film around that where they were both discussing their own way of relating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, of course, you know, how can, how can we create a world where different religions can exist together? So mm-hmm. it's so like, so it's like, so he's doing that, but on a religious uh, bringing yeah, yeah. people together. And then suddenly the religions, actually, I, I've seen that so much. He has, mm-hmm. you know, if I compare to many others, he has friends from uh, all different religions. And he sometimes says, you know, I feel more close to somebody with another religion than I do with people who never reflect, reflect mm-hmm. on any religious thing. So, so that's that's also very interesting. So it can really create that kind of foam yeah, that yeah. I sometimes talk about that. Among my students, I can see, and I, among where you know, I live, among youngsters here, you know, you, you do see, I think, two different trends. Like one is that at the business school, I have many students who say that you know, they absolutely do not. It's sec- Sweden is a very secular society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they've never been to church. So, so when I ask them to do the bubble hopping, that you know, many will actually jump, say, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm definitely gonna, you know, it's gonna go for religion somehow." Mm-hmm. A few of them will jump between religions, but most of them would be like, because I've never been to church. So, which is also like, and sometimes I'm thinking that also creates some tensions in society mm-hmm. because many of people coming to Sweden do have a much stronger religion. Mm-hmm. So that also uh, is something to address, I think. Yeah. I do see still a, a need also among my students and I find it very interesting that they choose to do the bubble hopping to church many many times and also Mm. that what they learn from that and I think that's also actually a very very important part yeah so but I also and 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 but I of course I see spiritual you know sometimes when I'm a bit I'm a researcher I'm a bit critical sometimes I do sometimes feel like they treat work as religion I, I feel that they do have a spiritual need. Uh, I, I work a lot with contemplative practices as well in my teaching. That's also, I guess, where I bring in you know, that side. Uh, and I see that they long for that. They, they need it. Um, also, I can also see how, as, you know, some of those that they do have a religious background, although we don't talk about that in the business school necessarily, but there's similarities there and there's a need there. And sometimes I'm also worried about them having that kind of work as religion and trying to get, you know, the belonging, the community, the higher meaning, the purpose, everything at work. Um, you know, that sometimes also worry me a bit. So I don't know. I, I, my, I, I think it's a very mixed. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's interesting. The secular part, of course, growing up in Sweden is strong. Definitely, like it's changing uh, in the sense that we um, do it. But I can also see that now, of course, I'm influenced because it's my son, but has been, you know, I'm like such a wonderful movement that also came with him deciding Mm -hmm. that even though my mom and dad Mm -hmm. didn't raise me that way, I'm going to look for something else and that actually go he's Swedish state church not state church anymore but it's uh, you know but that opened up for other two and other connections and 
And that, I think, is something we could cultivate more. And that that search for uh, meaning and community, is that something that you have seen changing um, the, in the last two years? And, I'm, and of course, I'm alluding, alluding to COVID that, yeah. that uh, changed a lot of things, I think. Have you seen a, a change there in terms of spirituality and religion or, or not? It was already yes, happening I mean, before. I think it was already starting before. Um, now. The, I think also the, um, it's been very different here in Sweden than in the US or and other places even more different perhaps. But um, I lived in Germany when the COVID, uh, the pandemic started and I moved back to Sweden. I was shocked because Sweden has been open the whole time. You know, we, we haven't, we never wore face masks. Um, I've been teaching a little bit online, but mostly physical live. We went in a very different direction than many other countries. Don't ask me if it was right or wrong. I guess we will know perhaps in the future. But so we weren't as, you know, sometimes I feel like I, it didn't change as much as it did in many other places. I can see that I teach very international group of students. They've all been shocked when they've come to Sweden because it's been so open the whole time. Um, and it's been a lot of discussions around that for sure. But um, so it didn't affect us as much as it did in other places. So it's a bit more difficult to say, but it's a good question. I, I'll definitely keep thinking about that if that also changed it. Um, I, I, I think definitely there, there is, um, you know, it's a, so I teach, as I said, I teach contemplative practices at the business school too. And, you know, 10 years ago, they would make fun of me. Um, the students, when they graduated, they would always have this little show and they would have this fun, this crazy teacher who taught us, you know, some of those tools too. Now, when I walk into a class, half of them already med practice meditation, for example. So mm. that has changed so much for sure. Mm. But I'm also like, yeah, I work, as so I work, I've been working with a, a research around contemplative practices too so I work also with the medical I like the interdisciplinarity as I said I've also been working with the medical school which mm -hmm. is also very fun to work with I think and we've been doing uh, compassion interventions in different mm -hmm. organizations yeah. which is another super interesting topic um, mostly for well-being and to reduce stress levels but I've also seen, I have a, a colleague here in Stockholm, uh, and he's worked also with um, kind of loving kindness meditations, befriending meditations, he calls them, short ones, also to bridge differences and divides. Mm -hmm. And actually, it, and it seems to have, you know, changed a bit of the polarization in society mm -hmm. too. So I think it all connects in a way. Great. I'm, I'm going to accelerate um, a, a bit because there are a couple of questions I really would like you to reply to. Um, but, you know, I'm also cognizant of, of the time. Um, the listeners know that, that I'm really passionate about sustainable development goals, not because they are perfect, but, you know, because I think as a world, you know, we 
we talked and we came up with 17 goals. Maybe there are too many, maybe not enough. Um, but at least, you know, we set a goal for ourselves because we, we uh, a huge group uh, of people in the world, uh, if not all countries, said, yes, you know, we, we need to make this world more sustainable and this is what we have to do. So if I ask you um, what you would like people to know about sustainable development goals, what would that be? Oh. <laughs> That was a difficult question. Mm. Uh, of course, I um, oh, like, um, you know, I teach some, so I'm like, can we have 10 weeks together, please? Because <laughs> you know, there are so many, so many different aspects here coming in. Uh, but I, I uh, you know, I I I I like um I like to work like I so when I started. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to sound like a politician changing the subject. But <laughs> so as so a one thing, so I I started a long time ago. We started with, okay, we're going to teach a sustainability track at the business school. We didn't have that. So I was a co-founder of it. Uh, and what we did, and I thought that was a, no, we don't have it anymore, but I thought it was a brilliant idea. And we had it for several years, was that we started, we said, okay, start with knowledge. Okay, let's get to know about the goals. Who what goals do we have? What are the targets? How did they come up? Uh, how are they related to each other? Knowledge about them. And then secondly, we also need to know, we, talk, we said the first semester we spent on knowing. Second semester we spent on doing, and that wasn't doing ourselves. It was really about who is doing what and how can you contribute in different ways? Mm -hmm. What are NGOs doing? What are the big international organizations doing? What are governments doing? What is, what's the role of politics here? What's, what's the role of business? What's the role of entrepreneurs, et cetera, et cetera. So like, who is doing in what forms and how can they collaborate? And then the third semester we spent on being. That's, mm -hmm. uh, that's that was really my, so what about you? What are you? your values how can you contribute what do you want to contribute with and then the fourth semester was about expressing okay let's do now the whole semester they were doing like real projects using all the knowledge they had but they had to make a difference somehow even if it was small but towards the system development goals and I like that and I like that kind of approach to it like so I'll start with some knowledge about it about some, you know, knowing who's doing it in what forms, bringing in yourself, how can you contribute, and then actually doing, taking action. And and I like to approach them in that way, I think. And of course, with some critical discussions around, as you said, you know, they're not perfect. Uh, there are conflicts of interests, et cetera, et cetera. What are the challenges on all different levels, social, economic, ecological, also existential challenges that come but i think we need at least two years <laughs> and i have two no, years. I, I, I actually <laughs> really think it's brilliant advice and and um because you know I, I have different types of listeners and some are very uh familiar with sds you know they work in in in, in my sector and others are not and I, I think the first step is you know try to read about it is excellent, you know, and what is being done about it, and then what can I do about it, uh, you know, myself is is I think it's brilliant. So I, I think that's great advice.
Unfortunately, you know, uh, a report just came out about what is the status of the SDGs. Is this the second year in a in a in a row that we didn't make progress as as a world? And um, you know, I I think the report that just came out um, says a couple of things. You know, we need more investment, um, which seems obvious, of course. Um, but you know, I met you at at a summit called in the in a development goals, a virtual uh, summit. Um, and this group of people that is growing uh, also is, well, you know, one of the reasons that we are not making enough progress is because we did not pay attention to the skills, abilities, and capacity that you need as individuals in a community. Yeah, I, I'm going to ask you a difficult question again, uh, Emma, is, is that what do you think, why are the IDGs important, the inner development goals, what is actually the essence of, of it? Why also people should, you know, look into those uh, inner development goals, which, you know, um, are made as a result of a survey that was done about, you know, more than a thousand people around the world. So, mm. Yes, I think the whole idea about the inner development goals um, is that we need to shift. We need to develop. We can't, you know, the classical Einstein quote there, kind of, we, we can't, you know, solve the problems we have created with the same level of consciousness that created the problems. So we need to, you know, there's definitely, we need to also as humans shift, develop. That's the inner development goals. And, um, and we need to change. It's not, we're not, we're not going to solve it with the same way of relating to ourselves, to being, mm -hmm. with the same way of um, thinking, uh, with the same way of uh, relating to each other, with the same way of collaborating or taking action or not taking action. We actually, so, so it's kind of like that kind of, what kind of shift do we, do we need in order to at least have a little bit higher chance of reaching those goals. Uh, and we need to do that on an individual level and on a collective level, of course. So it's both individually, but also collectively. And, um, so I, and I, you know, the, it is the inner development goals, which consists of those five categories that I just mentioned, but they weren't very clear, but the being, the thinking, relating, collaborating, and taking action. And subcategories there, subskills. But it's a framework again. And it's not perfect. It's a little bit like you described, I think, the sustainable development goals. But it's a framework that can help sort out and put things we're already doing, because of course, many of us are doing it already. And also that we need to do it. And I think an important part of this also comes from adult development. This is, you know, I teach at the university, the students graduate when they're 23 or 25 or something, but this is something we need to do throughout life and for everybody. So it's really, so what's been interesting is also to see the kind of movement where we have government stepping in or, and we have lots of organizations. I don't know how much time I spend talking to different organizations, corporations and public organizations. And like, how can we actually help to develop everybody who's working or who we are collaborating with or whatever? How can we help? So that everybody develops so that we together can have a little bit of a higher chance to reach those 
sustainable development goals. And I think it's like an, you know, it's an easy framework that can help us come together. And once again, I think you you did the way you introduced the sustainable development goals. I think the same way you can address the inner development goals. That you know, it's 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 a framework. It's not perfect, but it's a framework, and we can come together because we need to come together across the globe. So um, right. No, th- thank you for that. Um, and again, I will I will I will uh, include also the link again for the listeners uh, that they can find in a development goals. Um, you know. Yeah, I I think you're similar to to me. You know. Um, the arts is important and especially uh, the music for me. So the question that I always ask, if I you know, ask you to come up with a piece of music mm. or a song that best embodies who MI is, mm. um, what would that you know, piece of music be or song be and why? Oh, uh, it would for sure. <laughs> this is like... The only thing I'm totally sure about, if you can be sure, it would for sure be uh, something from the German composer Nils Fram. I don't know if you heard of him. No. I highly recommend it. You have something to look forward to. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody else will will put that in the link to is he's um, a German composer. He uh, he has. He creates, he's, he's very productive, contemporary. Um, I think what I really enjoy with him, he creates atmospheres with his music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's instrumental, so which I find so uh, nice because I, oh, there are so much words all the time. We talk so much. And I said before, like the, you know, the, the, being in that kind of where, where there are, no words with another language, uh, the atmosphere. And he, he really kind of creates that kind of atmosphere where it also goes in between different states all the time. I think once I was in therapy, I was in therapy for three years. I went to see the same therapist for three years, okay. um, once a week. And um, he had a background in music too. Mm-hmm. And um, and every session started with that. I had to pick a song uh, that described my kind of state of mind or how I was feeling, etc. We did that for three years every week. Mm. And uh, after that was absolutely the best part of therapy and uh, one of the best things I've done in my life when it comes to personal development. Uh, because after like a year and a half, you really started to see a pattern. Of course, I spent tons of time thinking about what song I'm going to choose. Uh, you know, <laughs> what's, yeah. But after a year and a half, you start to see a pattern. And when you started and started to hear the pattern, and then you read that for me, that became like the biggest insight, I think, uh, into my emotional landscape. And of course, when I, you know, think about Nils Throm, he's right in the middle of that, which also like it goes, it, it's those building up those atmospheres. It's um, always variations. Um, never, it's never like one, tune. It always goes between states. And I think that's also very typical of some 
but he's fantastic. If you haven't heard Nils. Oh, no, I for sure will check him out. I, I, I do have to poke you a bit more in terms of to come up with a, a title yeah. because I can't. Okay, you, know, you want to have that whole specific song. Yeah. Okay, I pick one, but it's difficult uh, because there are so many good ones. But I pick one, uh, mm-hmm. Says. S- he says, uh, okay. Yeah. okay, and 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 just to remind the listeners again, there is a, a Spotify playlist um, where I add all the songs that are chosen by by my guests. If you go into Spotify, you go for hashtag Walk Talk Listen, you will find all the songs from U two to you know Marvin Gaye and and now uh, this particular composer from Germany as as well. So th- thanks a lot. Emma, I, you know, this goes fast and, and, you know, maybe we should do another uh, another episode. But my, my last question to you today is, um, you know, is there any last message or invitation or question that you have for the listeners? Yeah, no, of course. It's, we, you know, we talked about uh, the whole idea about <laughs> bubble hopping and... Um, so I, you know, of course, I would like to invite the listener to also think about, you know, uh, first perhaps think about somebody that you don't agree with, but uh, that you could um, try to meet and see if you could understand each other a bit better. So I, that would be my first invitation. And, and then um, to practice a little bit of those skills, I'd say, uh, when you finish listening, why not go out and talk to a stranger, somebody you never talked to before? I think that's also a good way to practice some skills. And there's a lot of research around talking to strangers, showing that we tend to think that it's going to be very awkward before we do it. And we don't think it's going to be so rewarding. But after we've done that, it's actually uh, much more rewarding than we thought. And it's not so awkward. And most of all, we think that the other person might not find it rewarding. But if you look at the research, it's the opposite. You're actually, you can make somebody day. So think about who you don't agree with. Plan to meet with a person. But before that, talk to a stranger right after this podcast. Great. And, and, um, yeah, I, I I can only say yes. I think that's really uh, great. I, I live now in a small town and people still greet each other on the street, which is really awesome. You know, sometimes you feel like, oh, yeah, I would like to have a short conversation, a longer conversation. And it really, you know, I, I feel so much better when I, when I do that. And, and, uh, and even, uh, as you said, you know, uh, as a result, I have conversations with people where I know that have voted for somebody that I would never vote for. So, um, yeah, great. Thank you so much, uh, Emma, for for your willingness to talk with me today. Uh, We will make sure to have all the links available for the listeners in in the podcast notes. You know, yeah, good luck with everything you do and and, uh, very important work. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for listening to me. Thanks a lot. Take care. You too.
Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.